0: God with us. Nothing can come against us in 2019. God is for us. God is for you. Whatever you're facing, He's for you. You don't follow favor. Favor follows you because you're God's child. You're Christ's brother. And I want to pray blessing on you this year. Can we do that? Heavenly Father. We face a variety of opportunity and challenges this year. We face great promise and sometimes great grief. And we ask that in the middle of that continuum, you would help us find our joy in you personally. And that we would find great strength in that joy and that you would give us faith to let you really develop really fix us up this year, so that we will live like completely devoted followers of Jesus. Like the early church, we would be like them in the later church of the 21st century. In Jesus' name, our eyes look to you today. Amen. Hey, let me tell you, as you're seated, we're about to start some trivia so get ready, I've got some opening trivia. Some of you have been playing games all December, I mean board games, and we're going to have some opening trivia as we talk about this question this morning, how does God want to fix up my life or why learn the fruits of the Spirit? Here's the opening trivia question, what are the, what are the six fruits in the state of California? How many of you are proud to live in California? What are the six fruits, I thought we were a little low there, what are the six, <laughs> that's funny, how many of you like California, the, the land, the, the, the weather, all right, all right, we get a little increase, good, good, okay. yeah, we got, yeah, what are the six fruits in California that, that we produce more than any other state, the six, oh, I heard one, So so write them down, think about, there's six of them that we produce more in our state, the golden state, than any other state in the country. Go ahead and take a moment. It's okay to lean on a neighbor or call a friend. What fruits are the six fruits we produce more than anyone in the state of California? Oranges? Do we produce more oranges than anyone in the country? Okay. All right, six. All right, six fruits. Here they are, okay? Here they are. Number one, oh, this is the direction we're headed today. We're talking about the fruit of joy. Next, okay? Here's the number one. Here's one, right? Healthy, right? Healthy, very healthy. A lot of omega-3. And then lemons, Ka? All right, here we go. Boom, this is just melons in general. Melons, how many of you thought? We, we're, we produce lots of watermelons here in this state. Anybody? Ka? All right. Here we go. Boom, peaches. We, we outdo everyone in this, in this category. Here we go. Surprise, surprise. Cut. And lastly, strawberries. These are the fruits we more of than any state in the Union. And in just a moment, as we talk about the fruits of what it means to have Jesus' Spirit living in you, that's what we're talking about this morning. How do you know that you have Jesus' Spirit living in you? There's evidence because His, His fruit from His Father lives in you. There are about nine of them. I'd like you to be thinking about what they are, nine of them. Please leave your cell phones down for this piece. So today we're going to talk about two truths about God's goals for you. Producing fruit is a massive theme in the Bible, and sometimes it's majorly misunderstood. When we go to Sprouts or Raleigh's or Bel Air to get fruit, our biggest stress is whether or not we brought, out of our car, plastic bags. Our biggest stress is finding which checkout clerk is working the fastest. Our biggest stress is, or who's talking the most in line, which would slow down our, our trip. That's what stresses us out. In the, in the first century, the agrarian society that they were, and even you, you study... Throughout our globe, there are still cultures that they spend a majority of their time actually working a garden to produce fruit and or vegetables for them for a given year. And they have, like they did in the first century, most people have calloused hands and rough hands from all the work they do trying to produce fruit. This is a picture from a place called Chorazim, on the southwest side of the Sea of Galilee, and this is a field there that that for me was breathtaking because they had to work so hard to 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 till that field and make it ready to produce. Here's why. There are so many rocks in Israel. I mean they're everywhere, just everywhere. It's like rock linen. Ha <laughs> ha I mean really it's bad. And I thought, how much work they have to do to produce fruit. So as we think about Jesus' spirit living in us, him fixing us up the way he wants to, there's a real temptation to think, I've got to work super hard to till my soul so that I can, so that I can let Jesus develop in me what he wants developed in me. And that can be, that can be a real misunderstanding. Here's, here's why. We are not the hard-working farmer. We are the farm. He is the farmer, that is, God, the Father, and His Son, Jesus. He needs us to receive His cultivation. And so let me just suggest that whatever place you are in, in your current scope of life, Jesus is most concerned about cultivating character in you. And I'm encouraged, actually, that in our country, people actually value character as as a high, uh, worthy New Year's resolution, you know? It's surprising. People want to grow in character. But I want to make it clear that when it comes to character development, when it comes to letting Jesus have reign, to use that royal word, in our life, it's recognizing he's the farmer and he's using our circumstances, the people around us, to help develop in us Christ. And really, when you think, that may come off a little abstract or a little lofty, but when I show you the kind of character that he's trying to develop in us, I think you'll say, you know what? That's why people must have really liked hanging out with Jesus. He was cool, he was fun, he was dope. Well, maybe not that. Kurt Harlow, one of the pastors at Bayside Adventure, talked about how um, cultivation works at the maximum level. So some of you that took environmental or ag classes will totally uh, relate to this. I had a professor in an environmental studies class in college who introduced me to the idea of growth limiters. For plants, he taught, there are three major variables for fruitfulness, sun, water, and fertilizer. If the ratio of these three is off even a little, too much water and not enough sun, for instance, the plant could survive, but it will never thrive. The opposite was also true. If the perfect ratio is cultivated, the plant produces explosive growth and dramatically increases yields. What would it look like for our lives, in our marriage and family life, in our single life, in our parenting for the Spirit of Jesus to come in at the perfect ratio and develop in us the perfect character, character of love, of peace, of discipline, of courage, to help meet whatever we're facing this year. And let me tell you, as we look at how to do this, I'm going to tell you, it, it comes from the pen of someone who's in prison. He's in prison because he has been testifying of the resurrection of Jesus and throwing off the, uh, the idolatry of the first century. It's Paul. He's our author. And so he's writing from a prison cell. And gratefully, none of us right now are in prison cells. But we might be metaphorically. You might feel like you're in one because you've had a health diagnosis. You've had a family member who's suffering or experienced loss. you have a, You're experiencing... Joblessness right now, you're on the hunt for the right job. Um, a number of things. You've set some resolutions this year that are lofty. You've got big goals. You're like, why in the world did I commit to those? Whatever. That may be your kind of chamber, your prison cell. And I want you to learn from Paul how to really let God cultivate character in you today. Why should this matter to me? Why does this, why does this matter? Well, if you want to let Jesus really fix you up personally, the faith that you bring to that, the faith that you bring, the faith we cultivate determines the fruit we generate. Your willingness to believe that which you cannot see in your only in your context, whatever it is, your willingness to believe that there's hope in tomorrow, even though it doesn't look like it is what Jesus will use to develop your character. And the, the harvest of that is wonderful. It really is. <clears throat> I'm 51, and I'm enjoying it increasingly because he's done a work in me that's awesome. And he's used my wife a lot, but it's been worth it to do that in a good way, okay? So here are several passages all throughout those first century documents those early documents written by the eyewitnesses that saw Jesus' life and resurrection. And this is what they they commented on, in general, about fruit. Because you might think that's kind of silly. It wasn't, especially for a first century ag culture. It wasn't silly at all when it comes to developing it in our lives. So when I get to the red, I'd love you to join me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear for the of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Live a life worthy of the Lord. He's referring to the Lord Jesus. And please Him in every way, bearing in every good work. Colossians, that's the church at Colossae. Filled with the of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the Philippians. So there's fruit that He wants to produce in our lives. And then Jesus' brother, James, it's always fun to read from him uh, because when your brother has good things to say about you, something miraculous has happened. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and, I mean, it's all good fruit. You see the language. I've read from probably six of the 27 letters that we have from the first century, fruits important to be developed in our life, to let God cultivate in our lives. And yet, it's the work of God. Now, here's the question. What are the nine basic fruits that Jesus is trying to develop in the life of Christians? Nine. Ooh, love. What's the next one? Joy, patience. There's three. Goodness, peace, five. Kindness, six. Self-control, seven. Faithfulness, eight. And kindness, nine. Look at that, 100% in 2019. Here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You might not have heard that word. This is from the uh, Living Bible translation. This This is what Jesus wants to produce in you. And think about you. You might it might you might be so familiar with this list that it might not really impact you. But let me just let me just think. Imagine imagine for a moment if that coworker that you work with viewed you as someone that had overwhelming love for them, or that uh, that spouse <laughs> that you um, live with saw incredible kindness coming from you, or that neighbor that neighbor. Mm-hmm. That neighbor that you that you do life with saw incredible goodness from you, <laughs> or that client that customer that you serve, if they saw incredible gentleness from you. I mean, this is an attractive person. This is what made Jesus so irresistible. People liked him. <laughs> Wouldn't I mean? I'm not. The goal is not to be liked, but it'd be nice to. Make it a little easier on people to like you, isn't it? And so, yes, amen, thank you. So, so what we want to do is we want to see the Spirit produce these in our lives. Let God cultivate these in our lives. And we started on Christmas Eve with love. You remember what that meant? Remember what? Do you, do you even remember the love acronym? Here it was, love. It's all about life, knowing what is important. Others, knowing who is important. V, valuing, knowing that you're important. Super important to know. And then eternity, knowing forever is important. So that's where we started. Let me tell you something. A question we've been asking around our team is this question. What does love require of us? What does love require? Jesus modeled that at such a high level. We want to see, as a team, and as our congregation, us to be known as, wow, that church, they love people. I don't agree with them, but they like people. Why? Because that's how Jesus was. Doesn't that sound like a good place to be? So, love, it's all about. That's where we started. Today, we're going to talk about producing more joy in your life. More joy in your life. And here's the deal. More joy will bless everyone around you. Everyone is going to enjoy your joy. Now, if you're you got to be a little self-controlled. You don't want to be over the top. Hello, everybody! You know, but you, if you have joy, people will remember you. I'll bet you remember the people that got awards in high school because they had the most joy, or they were the happiest seniors upon graduation. They had the most, the most uh, optimist, optimistic outlook. I think that's what helps us understand joy. All right. So, here are some myths that make life miserable. A couple myths. The first is... I can handle this on my own. Anybody? I don't need any help. Anybody relate to that one? Ooh, I saw some smiles out there. How about this? I will be happy once I get that vacation, car, shirt. I wanted cowboy boots for Christmas. I didn't get them. My family said, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't wearing cowboy boots. They just thought I'd never wear them. Maybe next year. There's hope. Hey, I need to be more like that person. If I'm more like them, then I'll be happy. Or how about this? I can't bring myself to forgive that person. How do you forgive someone? I'll help you with that today. Great exercise. So today we're going to let God produce lasting fruit in our lives. And today we're going to focus on joy. And we're going to follow the the author from his prison cell on how he practiced, how he cultivated joy in his life. Here it is. Say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the first, the first step in cultivating joy in your life or experiencing the fruit of joy in your life is this. It's to, it's to practice. Joy is produced by practice. We have a choice or the power to practice joy we actually have our own volition to practice joy. I'll show you how to do that. And he says rejoice. And the idea here is that it's something that is repeated. It's practiced. You lean into it. It becomes a habit. There are several techniques that psychologists argue that if practiced, will give you the kind of positive vibe that will result in happiness or joy. There's just some things we can do to increase our joy. Here's a few of them. One of them is a gratitude visit. Is there someone in your life that you haven't said thank you to properly? Maybe someone uh, for whom you should write a note or send an email and say, I just want to thank you. That was so meaningful. It will, That kind of positive interaction will bring you joy. Maybe there's three, as many as three people. Maybe there are three good things that you've experienced in the last month that you need to sit down and and write them out and also explain why they were good to you. You're showing appreciation, thankfulness when you do that. It'll bring joy out, just that activity. Thirdly, use a signature strength in a new way. So if you have a particular gift or skill, use it in a unique way, in a way you normally never would use it. Um, so I did something over Christmas break that was unique for me. I'm usually pretty comfortable greeting people that I've never met. And we had just come over the grapevine, and I saw this guy. We were at Starbucks, and the line was huge. Melissa got in first. She was at, There was probably 20 people in line, maybe 30, maybe 5,000. And so I was waiting outside, and I saw this guy come up to me, and he had this shirt that said, free hugs. And we were all kind of groggy. Um, Six Flags had a bring your guest free that day, and so everyone had a great time at Six Flags, but the five was completely stacked for a long time. So it took us 12 hours to get home. That was fun. And, <clears throat> anyways, but I saw this guy with a free hug shirt on, and I thought, wow, I wonder if he's in business today. And so I just said, hey, bro, how about a hug today? And he goes, you want one? I'm like, totally. So he comes up to me. And I was thinking he'd give me a big old bear hug. He kind of wanted a side hug. I think I kind of scared him. But, but I was using one of my abilities or gills is to actually engage in conversation with people. Not perfectly. I can lack a little EQ sometimes. But this guy and I had like 15 or 20 minutes just hanging out together at Starbucks Bakersfield. It was or the Lavelle exit. You know what I'm talking about, Lavelle? That it's like the exit before you get to Sacramento. So we hung out and talked, and I did, my joy factor went up. All of a sudden, I was willing to drive another 10 minutes on the five. Use a signature gift that you have in a different way. Have a little fun. What are three funny things that have happened to you in the last month? Why were they funny? Note them. If you're a journaler, which I am, I journal probably at least five days a week, it's, you get that opportunity to do that. Count kindnesses. Actually, write down those who've shown kindness to you, or uh, write down opportunities you've had to show kindness to others. These activities will bring joy into your life. How about the gift of time? Maybe there's an opportunity for you to invest some time in someone, and this can be. And this is, I think, sometimes our most fragile thing. But just to listen, just to take, just to pause a little bit more, to ask someone in conversation, "Hey, did I understand you clearly?" Uh, Is this what I heard you say? Just to be empathetic and listening very attentively, and then finally, when one door closes and another door opens, take a moment to actually write down a time when one door completely shut, and yet simultaneously another door opened. This is what this is how you initially cultivate joy, and these acts may be a little um, may come off a little like secular. They may come off a little like non-scriptural. But I think what's happening here is you're actually you're leaning in. You're leaning in here to that quality of God that, that will give you the strength that you're looking for, the joy you're looking for. <clears throat> and it's grace. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. But repeat what is good. Repeat what is good. Let God produce lasting joy in you. Cultivate it. You, you have the power to rejoice you have the choice to rejoice it is a choice would you agree we have the choice to rejoice we can choose joy and sometimes it is very hard sometimes it is and, and i do for those that are grieving right now i say this with uh with uh, empathy is not even a good word with uh, heartfelt prayer felt concern hoping that this year for you will be a year where you have reason to have joy again Like Sheryl Sandberg, former Facebook senior vice president, uh, on her 50th wedding when her husband turned 50 and they were down in uh, the Gulf of Mexico, he died when they were down there. And she said in a conference a couple years ago, I never knew I would get to have joy again. She was surprised by joy. So I hope you're surprised by joy this year. Agreed? That it comes. But I understand if you're not feeling it at all today. Okay. So number one, practice joy. Rejoice. Number two, joy is produced in his presence. I love this line uh, that Paul said. The Lord is what? He's near. near. I love the song Brian Lettison this, this morning that Jesus has resurrected from the grave. He's resurrected from the grave. He sits at the right hand of the Father and he, according to his eyewitnesses, and he is present to give us strength in everyday life. He's near. He's present. We have that. Incredible hope. Now, let me talk about rejoicing again here. So, rejoicing, this is a little, this is a word study, a Greek word study, so I'll try to be brief in case I bore you to tears. But rejoice means leaning in to God's grace. That's really what it means. And what's interesting is that there are three Greek words, Koine Greek words, of which the New Testament was written in, that all are cognates. They're all very closely related. And I want to show you what they are. So the first word is Cairo. it means to rejoice. Okay? The second word is the word for joy, it's kara. And the third word is the word for grace. That's God's gift, his initiative, it's Charis, And the point is that when we rejoice, when we lean into joy, when we recognize his presence, his nearness in our lives, we are leaning into the strength, the grace that he will give us. We're, we're leaning in. To listen. And, and in the morning, sometimes when I get up, I, I get up and I sit down, and I'm looking for an opportunity to get some grace, some energy. Tomorrow morning, you might get up, and you're like, oh, my word. How many of you are, like, already, oh, gosh, I got work tomorrow. This isn't okay, right? We all get that right. So, but tomorrow morning, you're going to get up. I encourage you, get your coffee, because no one really wants to be around you until you've had a little coffee. And you sit down, and I encourage you, just sit there. Just sit there. And, and maybe turn on some music, some Christian music. Not Led Zeppelin, some Christian music. And let, let that kind of cultivate joy in your heart. And experience, you'll experience his presence. And it'll give you encouragement. And then take a few minutes and give thanks. Thank him. Write it down like we've already talked about. It. You're cultivating joy. And then take a few minutes and maybe read a scripture from the eyewitnesses, from John or from Mark or Luke, or the Psalms, I think, are awesome. But this is going to help you lean in to God's grace. That's what will give you joy. So remember the presence of God. Remember the presence of God. The Lord is near. And and consider, the Apostle Paul is in prison. He's completely unable to do much except write. And he's remembering the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. <clears throat> I love this story about a guy who was able to practice the presence of God for uh, 17 years. His name was Dmitry. And in the mid-20th century, he was incarcerated in a Russian prison because he started a Bible study in his home. And he was put in prison. And he had this practice for 17 years of getting up every morning, facing the East and singing a song to Jesus for 17 years. This is recorded in Nick Ripkin's book, The Insanity of God. On one occasion, when he was writing scripture on some of the towelettes, the paper towels that were in his cell, he was caught. They were taking him to execution row to kill him for this. And as they were taking him, and all the inmates saw this they they started doing what they had heard him do for 17 years they rose to their feet faced the east and started singing the heart song that he had sung every morning to Jesus for 17 years and as they were singing the guards released him and said who are you and he said i am a son of god i'm god's child And he was shortly released from prison when they were planning on executing him. This sounds really absurd, but think about it. On one occasion in the ministry of Paul, he was incarcerated. And while he was incarcerated, there was an earthquake that actually broke the chains of the, broke the locks of the prison cell. And uh, Paul and his his disciple were, were freed. There, is there something about singing is there, that brings in the presence of God? There's something about having a heart song. I'll bet you have one. Sing it. Sing it. Mine is, I love you, Lord, and I lift my hands to worship you. It's the first song I heard as a 12-year-old. It, maybe you have one. Sing it. If you have a bad voice, sing it loudly. <laughs> you know why? There, in my opinion, there's nothing better than hearing someone worship When they're off-tune, it's like, it doesn't matter how they sound. What matters is what's happening right there. That's what you do, sing it, like Dimitri did. Let God produce lasting fruit. Cultivate joy, that's you have the choice to rejoice, in his presence with a song. Cultivate joy. Thirdly, joy is produced as we present our our petitions. Present your requests to God. Pray. Pray. Ask, you know. This morning, I got up and I was praying for one of my brothers in this church that God would provide him the next opportunity, the next job offer that he needed. And when I saw him this morning, he said, "I got a job job offer on my way to church this morning." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> you pray for each other, and, and, and when the when the timing's right, the Lord will provide. Prayer is just critical. And when you, when you pray, you're literally throwing your cares on God. You're casting your, your cares on God. And you trust Him with whatever He does. Resolve to pray. Now, how are you going to really learn how to pray? We have an experience that we want you to prayerfully consider in 2019. Uh, when I say we, the elders of Adventure, the staff of, of Adventure, our biggest opportunity this year is going to be to cultivate in your heart, the, the, um, the experience of following Jesus in a very personal way this year. And a couple of my friends here in just a minute are going to tell you about their experience. Here it is. This is in Rooted. This is an During experience Rooted, we want you though, to have I got this to go year. Through a prayer experience, and this was amazing. I got to be able to spend some time alone with God, and this time was crucial for me because it allowed me to be able to just be still before God and to really hear what He has, what He has for me. Uh, in times of the busyness and distractions of life, it's hard for us to kind of set aside time, uh, but with Rooted. And I was able to do that. I was able to come together as a group, um, but but also have individual time of prayer, one on one with God. Uh, and he was able to I was able to, to hear things from him uh, that I hadn't heard before, uh, and it was it was a good experience. Man, just setting aside that time just to to spend with God, it, it's something that is so refilling um, for me. It's almost like refilling that. Holy Spirit gas tank inside me of just sitting alone with God. Um, What was really cool too, I spent like the last 10 minutes uh, when I found my wife and we prayed together during that, which... Uh, it's so cool. We do, we do, we, we've we done it before, but doing it together during that time, it was just such a reestablishment of um, how much power there is in that. And then what I liked a lot, too, is we came back together with our young adults group and we did it. And we just picked a few topics to pray about together as a group. I think we talked about community, about uh, faith, about sharing our faith, and just a bunch of other stuff. And together as a group, each and every single one of us all uh, prayed over those topics together as a community. And man, I think there's just so much power in that. It was such a cool experience. To be a part of, imagine what your life would look like this year if prayer became the essential priority of every morning or every evening. Can you imagine the potential joy quotient you might experience? Here's the deal cultivate joy in His presence with a song and present your requests. That's how you are going to experience increasing joy. And you might think that joy is just this kind of abstract, lofty feeling. Oh, no. What we know is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. When you have joy, it's an indicator I've got hope. I've got hope for my kids. I've got hope for my marriage. I've got hope for my entrepreneurial dreams. I've got hope for my health. I've got hope for that I might exercise sometime this week. I've got hope that I might eat a little less off the cookie tray this week. I've got hope. And that gives you strength. There is a time to grieve. Don't misunderstand me. There is a time to grieve. And we should be good at grieving and empathetic with those that are grieving. But there's also a time for joy because joy gives great strength. You may be here and have never made a first-time decision to believe that God loves you, that He sent His one and only Son, to suffer on the cross for you and to give you joy, to make you new. You've never done that. Maybe today you're ready. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. But also, if you're here, perhaps today you just want to see personally, you have more joy about what you're facing this year. More joy, more confidence, more hope that God's going to do something in you, and through you, you haven't imagined. I think it's very, very possible. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, help us rejoice. Help us today rejoice. Help us cultivate joy in our lives.